Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody we are live with underground sports philadelphia episode number 167 kyle bennett matt castarina live from underground studios as always show brought to you by main auto llc ducharms pro foot security 21 wayne wright bernhardt funeral home paul j gillespie incorporated bob novick auto mall mark ronchetti cpa llc and the dental wellness center of vineland what's going on matt living the dream Got a lot to uh, dive into. We've got Eagles-Falcons tomorrow night, Sunday night football. Ken Rosenthal with a kind of big-time uh, report about Gabe Kapler and Matt Klentak. The Phillies split with Atlanta. Can they sweep the Red Sox? Charles Barkley gets a, a skinny statue. And uh, we actually have Flyers news. So let's dive into Eagles-Falcons. We kind of touched on it on Wednesday, but... Sunday Night Football, the Falcons released one of the most ridiculous hype-up videos this morning. Uh, it was pretty pathetic, so I think the Eagles are going to win by like a million points now. Um, but overall, I think this game's going to be super competitive. I think it has a chance to be kind of a shootout-type game. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, two of the you know big-arm quarterbacks in the league. The big thing is going to be, can the Eagles' defense show up? That is the question. I mean, we saw last week uh, Falcons get complete. It was obviously on the road and you know, maybe some different circumstances, but really just completely shut down by Minnesota. And Minnesota probably the better defense than us, but they've shown there is a, there is a way to, to get at this. And the last two times the Eagles have played this team, it's been relatively low scoring, actually. Um, obviously, again, different circumstances. You know, one of those is a playoff game, and then you also have like early season last year where, you know, it wasn't really our best team. I don't think that was really the best Falcons performance, but both those games, I think, were, like, below, like, 30-ish points, mm-hmm. you know, and came down to the last play of the game, essentially. So I, I think it's actually going to be pretty tight, and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, yeah, of course, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a shootout just because of the, the weapons and the explosiveness that both teams have, but history has shown us that when we play the Falcons, it's usually actually pretty low scoring. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And this is the first time we're going to Atlanta in yeah. years. You know, the Definitely last, the first time at the new stadium. Yeah, right? like, the last three matchups, uh, 2016, 2017 in the playoffs, and then opening the season last year have all been at the link. This year, down at the new stadium, um, I think it's pretty hilarious that the Falcons are uh, taking different protocol when it comes to getting fans in their seats for the start of the game. They're going to do kind of like a, you know, play style and blink the lights to let everybody know you got to get to your seat um, because apparently fans aren't uh, in the arena when the game's starting so they want as many fans uh, this season in their seats as possible Um, I mean that's that's interesting though because I think that's one of the drawbacks to a new stadium is you you add in all these features these things that essentially draw attention mm -hmm. away from the game and I think we actually touch on this a little bit about 
you know, um, at the Wells Fargo Center now, we're going to have these, these, you know, bookie suites. Yeah. And you're going to have these, these essentially just lounges where it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you buy the ticket, you can do whatever you want, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we have similar issues. Now, mm-hmm. I think Philadelphia is just a little bit more passionate. You've always heard some things about Atlanta not quite having the, you know, really intense following for all their sports teams, but, you know, that is that is something I think as we, we go on here and new stadiums, you know, keep getting built and technology and you know, there's there's just things to distract you. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's interesting to go with that. Like the – it's like – when you're in intermission at a theater, they, yeah. like, they, they flicker the lights so you know to go back to your seat. Uh, and they're going to be doing things like during touchdowns and all this stuff to make sure fans are there to witness it and everything. So it's a little uh, new wave of uh, football game experience. But um, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. You know, I've heard people thinking the Eagles are going to win by two touchdowns. I think it's like a seven-point game at the end of the day. You don't go on the road to really many teams and went by two touchdowns, no. let alone a team. Like, you know, Falcons obviously had a terrible week one, but this is still this is still a team I think most people would expect to go, you know, around the 10 and 6 range. That's a playoff team, mm-hmm. you know. and you Especially with the way that division's going with the Panthers exactly. looking as bad Dallas, as they are. And- an absolutely terrible watch. <laughs> like, Thursday night games already, like, usually kind of stinky. No one really enjoys yeah. them. Um, that one I, like, turned off at the first quarter because I also have – I've Evans in one of my uh, in one of my leagues, mm-hmm. which by the way, every year I've picked him, he's absolutely sucked. <laughs> I'm so over it. I'm never I'm never doing it to myself again. God bless anyone that drafted OJ Howard this year, because <sighs> Jesus Christ, he has been brutal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that division's wide open for them, and yeah, you don't go on the road again to really many teams and and you know beat them by two touchdowns, let alone someone like the Falcons. I I think it will be a, a tight affair and. I wouldn't be shocked again if you know we're going into you know the, the final two minutes of the fourth quarter and the game's in the balance. Yeah, and uh, at my sports update on Twitter tweeted uh, noteworthy stat before this week's games since 2007, 98 teams have started 0 and 2. Only 12.2 percent of those teams, being 12 teams, turned it around to make the playoffs. So that's something the Falcons also have riding since they are 0 and 1, um, looking to prevent that 0-2 start, which essentially is a death sentence for teams since 2007. Yeah, I mean, that division as well. You know, the Saints play the Rams on Sunday, uh, like before that, Mm -hmm. so, you know, they'll know a little bit better their division standing. But, you know, say the Saints win that game, you start out giving them a two-game cushion. You're already tied for last place. You're looking at the wild card already in September. Um, So it's going to mean a lot to them. And, yeah, for us as well, uh, Cowboys have the Redskins – based on what we saw, especially that second half. And mm-hmm. we have to you know, just be very honest with how well the Cowboys <clears throat> looked last week. It was the Giants, of course, but you know, it, it'll have similar meaning to us that we don't want to lose any ground in the division either. So both teams, you know, obviously different week ones, but I think still the same. You know, it's, and that's every week in the NFL. You, you want to win, of course, but the same, the same goal is to make the playoffs here and then to win your division. And there's one other team that you're going to have to look out for, for the Falcons and the, uh, the Eagles, so. They'll, uh, they'll have a lot to play for, of And course. this game is a battle of, you know, just elite wide receivers. Julio Jones in his career, I believe, has 49 100-yard uh, reception receiving yards uh, in games. So 49 of those to Deshaun Jackson, having 36 or 37. Uh, I believe that's 1 and 2 in the league, if I'm not mistaken. So there could be, you know, those big dynamic plays 
throughout this game from guys like Julio Jones, Deshaun Jackson, and then Alshon Jeffrey, Calvin Ridley. This game is going to be very pass-heavy, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, you get that a lot in, you know, when you're talking about dome stadiums as well. The conditions are right, and, you know, you don't have to worry about wind affecting anything. You have, you know, good humidity conditions, weather controlled, all that. So, yeah, a, a lot of signs usually do point to that. But I, I also think you, you can't deny that both teams have a pretty impressive backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, Devontae Freeman, I think, is someone that everyone is still very high on, and, you know, he came into this year. You know, obviously struggled with injuries a lot last year and really for his entire career, but you're looking really healthy, everything you read about him. And the Eagles as well have this sort of committee of running backs, which we found out this week, Doug Peterson sort of alluded to, that they game plan fully before the game who's going to be getting the most action. Mm-hmm. You know, So Darren Sproles was always meant to be getting you know, a lot of looks early against the Redskins. Um, now, of course, maybe you adjust as you go later on, but we'll see who this week is going to get a lot of the a lot of the work, but I, I think, yeah, there's offensive weapons everywhere you look, but it just also feels like this is one of those games that everyone looks at and thinks is going to be a shootout, and then is like, it's like 21-17, yeah. you know, which is still, you know, I'd say like an average yeah. score in the NFL, but I, I don't know. It, it could, it's so cliche, it could go either way, but I, I do think that both teams did look a little sloppy. You know, I think, again, we have to be very honest with how the Eagles played. I know they turned it around, and we were all really excited about that second half, but that wasn't a a-plus performance by mm-hmm. them. That was like a C-plus, I'd say. Maybe even like a B-minus yeah. if you want to be a, a little nice. And the Falcons, that was like an F. So, I mean, <laughs> both teams haven't executed very well to, to start the season. So there's not much in it for me to say, like, both teams are playing their absolute best right mm-hmm. now. I expect it, like, you know, we had the Chiefs and Rams game, Monday Night Football game last year, where it was like, what, like 80 to 80? <laughs> you know? And that was because both teams were rolling. Yeah. And, you know, had in... I don't think either team that we're looking at here is, frankly, on the level of the Chiefs and Rams were offensively last year. But I, I think, you know, people talk about, you know, like 42-40 scores, and I just I don't yeah. see that, honestly. And, you know, you bring up the backfields and everything, and last week Devontae Freeman was completely shut down uh, by the Minnesota Vikings defense, and Dalvin Cook ran all over the Falcons defense. So I think if the Eagles can get the run game going early, that'll set the pace for the game and, you know, they can mix things up and be able to execute the run game, I think, a lot more effectively than they did against Washington um, because there is a blueprint there to beat the Falcons' defense running the ball kind of ground and pound, and then you use that to open up the passing game where you get guys like Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. Hopefully Nelson Aguilar more involved as well uh, this week because he was silent against Washington. So, um, you know, there's a lot of options for this team that we've talked about uh, since they all got here, but I think against this Falcons team, you have a real opportunity to showcase a bunch of them. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, that's the good thing about where the Eagles are right now is you look at a lot of other great teams, and you know, we saw this Thursday night where if you really only have maybe one bright spot on your team, you can game plan to you know to cut out you know Christian McCaffrey's impact on a game, right? But you know, there's no there's no real game plan to necessarily shut down the Eagles right now. I, I don't think you know. I think if the Eagles lose games or don't hit you know like that twenty three to twenty eight point mark every week, it's almost by their own by their own making. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that you really 
have any de- any defense in the league right now that can actually cope with all the options that they have and you know they may not have like the same high level talent like I don't I don't think we have someone on Julio Jones level frankly on our team um, not many teams do yeah. but you know but I, I think if you're talking about depth at, at that kind of position yes you know I, I don't think many teams also have you know to the kind of just range of options we mm-hmm. have so that's that's something that I think a team like the Falcons is going to struggle with and we didn't, we didn't really even see the Falcons tested in the air all that much either, you know, and you have to see how, how that game plan is going to work. Cousins threw, what, like 10 times, yeah. you know, against Atlanta, so we don't know. They, they haven't faced anyone so far this year that's going to be, you know, have like 35 to 40 pass attempts, maybe mm-hmm. even more depending on, you know, how the game goes. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of unknowns, I think, with both teams, more so with the Falcons just because of what a terrible performance it was and that we knew – coming into the year that they this should be a good team so how do they rebound from that you'd expect at home primetime game you know this is the stage to do it but i i think the eagles have uh, a good advantage here and you're seeing that in in the odds as well favored on the road mm-hmm. that's very rare yeah again especially against a team like the falcons who you know we know turned in a bad performance but i think are being a little underrated by everyone here um with with a lot of with a lot of the talk that we're hearing yeah and i think uh you know, one thing this team has struggled to do in the Doug Peterson era is score in the first quarter. They, I believe, in the three years under Doug in the first quarter, have amassed a total of 48 points. Yeah, I mean, I think this team has always been a little bit more of almost a second-half team in that regard as well. Where, And I, I think a lot of... I think a lot of that has to do with Doug as a coach, mm-hmm. you know, in of his own right, is that, one, he's a risk-taker, which, you know, we sort of have a tendency, I think, to remember the times where he's been gutsy and called, you know, to go for it on fourth and whatever, or, you know, go for the two-point conversion, whatever whatever the case is. And, two, I think also his style is just a bit more... I'm not saying he doesn't have an analytical side or that he doesn't have a great play-calling side, but I do think once he's able to you know, get everyone collectively back in the locker room and have, you know, these conversations and kind of work through issues. I think that's where you see better things. And, um, yeah, I, I think that that's all part of it. And I don't expect us to get off to a, a fast start, though. You know, it, it it just seems like the trend right now. And, you know, not even just for, you know, this year, the past season, it just seems that way. Um, I think that the big thing is just you don't want to find yourself in a hole early because, you know, that's what happened with the Redskins last week. You don't I, I just don't think you come back from, you know, 17 nothing to yeah. the Falcons on the road. I, I really don't. They're, they're not going to, you know, as we saw, sort of just fade away into the game. Um, although they do, have, they do have a record of choking big games. <laughs> I don't know. Which apparently they've deleted their hype video, and our buddy Connor Miles tweeted, uh, the Falcons got rid of their hype video quicker than their 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's still one of the most amazing Super Bowls yep. I've ever seen. Like, we all hate the Patriots, like, of course, but... I, I still think even there was a part of everyone, no matter how much you hated the Patriots, like there was a part like, in that fourth wow. quarter we were like, okay, like I'm 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 honestly okay with this happening yeah. just because seeing like a game like that is um is pretty impressive and I think we've been I actually think the Patriots Eagles Super Bowl is like one of the best of the decade. Yeah, you know when I mean, you just talk about whether you were an Eagles or Patriots fan or whether you were neutral, that had everything you could have hoped mm-hmm. for. Um, even in a high-scoring game like that, there were still huge defensive plays and turnovers. Like, had a little bit, a little bit of everything. So, yeah, we'll see. Speaking of the Patriots too, I don't know if you saw uh, 
Gronk's comments about his concussions and how he's fixed his CTE. Yeah. Um, does he know what CTE is? Like, I'm not even asking that to be like, uh, you can't fix it, Gronk. You yeah. can't even diagnose it unless you're dead. <laughs> so, uh... Came out and said he's had probably 20 concussions. Um, and, the, and the thing is, too, with concussions is those are just ones that have been actually diagnosed. And, mm-hmm. and what we know now is that you get mini concussions. You get these, what do they call them, sub subconcussive or something? Like yeah. These these smaller ones that don't don't even pick up on, you know, typical scans and, and these tests that they do, um, like subconcussive hits, right? Where mm-hmm. it's just these, and that's, that's the even more dangerous thing is you're, you know, you're finding now in high school football athletes, you know, these these issues with, with brain injuries and damage. So, yeah, I find it very hard to believe that Gronkowski has, that he even knows what he's talking about. And I'm not, you know, I, I, I think we talk, we wax lyricals about how much we love Gronk and we want him to be happy and healthy, but he's completely wrong. And yeah. I, I actually think it's really dangerous for a player of his stature to be saying things like that mm-hmm. because this is a very, very, very real issue. That is not, it's just not going away, and we still don't have a full grasp on, on, again, you, we right now, with the technology and understanding, can't even diagnose CT in people until they pass away, and you can do an autopsy. Like, that is how still early stages of understanding, the CT was not even a thing five years ago. Mm-hmm. This, was, this was not something we ever talked about until, you know, these past few years where, again, we've we've had this just understanding of what this sport does to your brain, just frankly. Um, and, yeah, I, I think Gronk is really, really off base making comments like that. And uh, the doctor they were speaking to is like, listen, that sounds awesome, but, like, you're wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I guess they have some sort of lab that he, he runs, the brain lab or something. Um, he invited him to come, and, like, he's like, yeah, we can do tests if you want. You can tell us all about how you fixed it, but you didn't. And you, like, you shouldn't be saying things like this because it's not help. It's not helping anyone. Yeah. Somebody said on uh, Twitter, not that CTE is a laughing matter, but Gronk's comments uh, about that. They said, "What is uh, Gronk CTE taking over his body like venom, talking for him and everything?" Um, yeah. That, but like, that's what's weird about it too. Is like, I just I don't know how. I don't know where he even got this idea from that he fixed his CTE because like. Really, with any brain injury, there's no... Fixing it. You don't fix it, you know? There's people that have had traumatic brain injuries and have to go through decades of therapy and don't actually regain the the control or the the impulses that they had before. Like, I don't know. It's it's a weird subject that everyone likes to kind of, like, put their hands in their pockets and, like, kick it around a bit because it's, like, uncomfortable. Um, But football is going to have to grapple with this with the CTE, with concussions, with even, you know, other just, like, more violent injuries. Like, the Ryan Shazier thing, I think, is one of the most awkward sports stories of all time because everyone acts like it's some heroic thing when it's actually a giant tragedy. And, yeah, we're all happy that he's walking again, but, like, just think about what we're celebrating. We are celebrating that a young man who, in the prime of his career and of his life, was seriously injured to the point where he, you know, may have been paralyzed for the rest of his life, and oh well he turned it around and he's walking now and it's like i don't know i i I think it's it's a weird story that's sort of taken on a life of its own where it's become something different than what it should be it that to me that should be a warning that okay football is not a safe sport 
and there's no way to make it safe. Mm-hmm. It just there just isn't. You can't you can't make football as it currently is safe. And I don't know celebrating things like that and you know sort of saying oh well you know Gronk saying like I'll still let my kids play football. It's like I can tell you right now if I have kids they're never <laughs> never touching football. And you've seen other NFL players you know current and retired saying yeah my my kids never playing lebron famously saying he would never let his kids play football and that's someone that was a high school football star himself so i i think um i do think if the nfl falls off in any way the what we'll learn more and more about brain injuries is going to be one of the causes because i do think you're going to start seeing you know especially now with you have powerful tools like social media mm-hmm. where people can get a better understanding on these things and get it right on their phone when you we really start doing these studies about what is happening to these guys and what their life is like even at age 40 mm-hmm. and it's just again it's just wild to me that Gronk said this you know when he was doing an interview in the spring about how you know he couldn't sleep for like two months yeah and was uh, like properly in tears on stage because and... because of what his his body had just been through and like that's just like your physical body like j- again just think of what your brain has gone through like you've been diagnosed with 20 concussions <laughs> that's 20 more than most people should ever have <laughs> I don't know I think it's um it's it's something that is isn't going away, and I, I, like I said, I don't think Gronk did himself or anyone any favors by yeah. going off the rails like that. Uh, so we got Eagles Falcons tomorrow night, eight fifteen or eight twenty kickoff for Sunday night football. It'll be like eight forty five the way yeah. they do it. Um, we get to watch uh, Chris Collinsworth whoop de do. Um, but very excited for this game, and I think the Eagles have a real good shot to uh, improve to two and zero, and. We'll uh, keep you updated on the Twitter.com at UndergroundPHI with all your Eagles in-game updates. But, Matt, the biggest reporter in the sport came out this week. The Phillies finished up their series against the Braves on Fox. Uh, It was Baseball Night in America. And essentially talked about how John Middleton is pretty pissed off. Um, Oh, that's weird. It could lead to Gabe Kapler and or Matt Klentak being gone at the end of the season. He put an article out on The Athletic uh, yesterday talking about, um, you know, jobs at stake and everything. And uh, the Phillies obviously on this list and the little passage here is, how angry will Phillies owner John Middleton be if the team misses the postseason after spending $572 million on free agents the past two offseasons, angry enough to order the dismissal of manager Gabe Kapler, who has another year left on his contract when uh, the likes of Joe Madden might be available, perhaps. Angry enough to also dismiss Matt Klentak, whose contract Middleton extended prior to the season through 2022? Probably not. Kapler is not to blame for the front office overestimating the Phillies' rotation or the injuries that wiped out the team's bullpen, but as he completes his second season, he continues to make head-scratching moves and remarks and too often draws attention for the wrong things. In the ongoing saga of As Cap Turns, Braves manager Brian Snicker took manage, took exception on Thursday night uh, with a development that Megan Montemiro, who covers the Phillies for the Athletic, first addressed last week about um, Gabe Kapler's prolonged pitching changes and how you know Hector Neris warms up entirely too long in the bullpen um, when he's called for and he's still warming up. So there's a lot going on that's swirling around now. And then uh, he also put out an article about how Matt Klintak is the issue 
for this team, where the roster construction is in his hands and how, you know, all of this shouldn't be all on the shoulders of Gabe Kapler. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. And, you know, I've been critical of Gabe, I think especially, you know, the second half of this season. And I've, you know, I I think one issue that I've always had with Gabe is his... uh, his like interviews and like the way he just frames his responses and it's always come across as like it's very eye rolling kind of stuff. Um, do I think Gabe Kapler deserves to be fired? I'm not entirely sure. I can also say that if Gabe Kapler were fired at the end of the season, I wouldn't say there was no just cause for that. Mm-hmm. I, I like I, I I think it's I think some people will take it as Gabe's not the problem. Clintech is. And I, I would say Clintag is probably more of the issue. And if there was one that, you know, quote unquote, deserves to lose their job, probably Clintag for the way that this offseason was handled coming into the year with such such negligence around the pitching. But speaking of pitching, I don't I think if there's also one person that hasn't helped that in any conceivable way is Gabe himself. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you talk about the mismanagement of guys and, you know, their confidence levels and, you know, We've talked all, all the time about how he maybe waits too long to, to pull guys or just like baffling decisions on bringing certain players in. That that to me has always been a little bit of a weakness of his. So it's hard to say, right? And, and just judging from that, it seems like Gabe's a little bit more in the hot seat. I think it's also easier typically to replace a manager than it is a GM just because you know, you could promote from within if you want. If Joe Matt is available, potentially, that's someone you could look at, of course. Like, it's it's always a little bit easier to plug someone new in and, and hope that you can get a different spark. But I'm just, I'm not not convinced of either of them, to be perfectly honest. I'm not convinced of Gabe Kapler as an as elite manager. I'm not convinced of Klentak at the moment that he's, you know, I don't, I don't think he's Billy Beaning it right now. <laughs> you know, I, I I think there's been a little bit of struggle, and you know, I'm willing to give some slack for what has been a, a weird transition season. But again, we don't have you know much time to waste anymore, especially when you look around the division. It's not like we're not playing in a division with older teams. You know, pretty much they're either as young, if not younger, than us. And you look at some of the stars in this division as well. Again you know, very young uh, stars rising through. And even if you look at just the NL itself, you know, the Dodgers aren't going away. They've been, you know, a perennial contender for like 15 years now. And that's because A, they spend the money and B, they keep just happening to produce stars. Mm So, um, you know, and you look at the Cardinals, pretty much an evergreen team, always at least in the mix, you know, haven't really had a great team in in a while, but always a team that you expect to be competitive the the brewers as well in, in that same regard like i no one is going no one is falling off here and i i think that's the worry because you you have to get things right because we've we've frankly tied up a lot of our future now in the the current roster um we could always spend more money of course but in terms of assets in terms of guys coming through in the farm system no one's really like taking your breath away i know we're high on some guys but you know do I think Alec Bohm is going to be called up next year and be an all-star? No, I would love it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'd love it. And the fantastical part of me thinks it could happen, but you know, there's no guarantee in something like that. And I think what we need is more guaranteed MLB talent, 
which you can't get without giving up assets, which we don't really have. <laughs> and I think part of that falls on Klintak. And, I, you know, you go back even through this whole rebuild and how we drafted. And, again, I, we've, we've had this conversation about, you know, not that we got absolutely no one from those past years, but you look at teams that rebuilt in the same time window as mm-hmm. us, and they've already won a World Series. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like... Uh, and, and we might make a wild card if we get a miracle here. And one of the guys that they didn't even have to give up assets for, just had to give up money, Dallas Keuchel pitched against them the other night and was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and this is what Dallas Keuchel said about the Phillies front office and um, you know their thoughts on not even showing up for his workout after the game. Dallas, how, how much um, extra motivation was there to perform the way you did tonight based on the way things did or didn't go down at free agency with the Phillies? Uh, I mean, if you don't come calling, what what is there for me to, to be mad about? So, uh, I think they're, I think a lot of those guys over there in the front office are, are second-guessing themselves, and I mean, I would too. So you have players from other organizations now calling out the Phillies front office, which is not a great... A Braves look. player, by the way, too, which just feels right. great. <laughs> For a guy that we didn't even show up to, to his workout, to his uh, you know his showcase. But in a separate Rosenthal article, too, uh, you know, highlighting Matt Klintak and how this isn't all Gabe Kapler's fault, part of it goes on to say, uh, just as injuries can disrupt the team's timeline, draft picks often do not develop the way teams envision Rebuilding clubs, though, need to hit on their top 10 picks, and the Phillies had five straight from 2014 to 2018. The first two, Aaron Nola and shortstop Cornelius Randolph under former GM Ruben Amaro Jr. The last three, outfielder Mickey Moniak, Adam Hazley, and third baseman Alec Bohm under Matt Klentak. The Phillies did not draft in the top 10 this year, picking shortstop Bryson Stott at number 14. Klentak took over on October 26, 2015, inheriting several core players from Amaro being Aaron Nola, Reese Hoskins, and Scott Kingery. Not enough time has passed to evaluate Klintak's four drafts properly. Still, the Phillies picked number one overall in his first season, 2016, and other clubs are starting to get returns on their picks from that year while the, while the Phils are not. Consider the Dodgers, whose first, picks, uh, whose first pick in 2016 was uh, number 20, Five players from that draft already have reached the majors, being infielder Gavin Lux, who's a top 10 prospect in all baseball, catcher Will Smith, right-hander Dustin May, left-hander Devin Smelter, later traded to the Twins for second baseman Brian Dozier, and uh, right-hander Tony uh, Gonsolin. Or consider the Indians, who received strong contributions this season from three pitchers in their 2016 draft. Right-handers Aaron Savale, Shane Bieber, who was the All-Star Game MVP, and Zach Plesak, all of whom were selected after the first 91 picks. Mickey Moniak, the player the Phillies chose with the first pick of the 2016 draft, reached double-A this season and still might develop into an above-average center fielder. The team's fifth-round selection that year, friend of the show, Cole Irvin, uh, already has made his Major League debut. Others are likely to follow, and the Phillies' 2017 and 18 drafts also figure to produce their share of successes. Adam Hazley, uh, the eighth overall selection in 2017 is in the majors, though he might prove no more than a reserve. Right, uh, right-hander Spencer Howard, the second rounder in 2017, is the Phillies' top pitching prospect. And Alec Bohm, the third overall pick in 2018, might become a star, particularly if he stays at third base. Still, the Phillies system has thinned out due to graduations and trades, and this season many of their prospects have regressed. Thus, the team will need to remain active in free agency, particularly in the pursuit of pitching, but here, too, Klentak's track record is questionable. 
goes on to talk about Jake Arrieta's three-year, $75 million contract in free agency, along with uh, David Robertson, Tommy Hunter, and Pat Neshek, combining for just 30 innings this season while earning a collective $24.75 million. And, I mean, do we even think... Who's even going to be healthy off that list next year? Maybe maybe Neshek. Well, Neshek is a free agent, so he will be gone. Tommy Hunter's a free agent. He'll be gone. And David Robertson is more than likely missing the entire season next year. You're just... Well, to be fair, Kyle, that's like... What, like 1.1 million per inning? That's pretty good. Just about. That's and if pretty you wanna, good. if you want to throw in Juan Nicasio in there, too, another injured guy that they paid $9 million this year, too. Fantastic. And that's what worries me about the um, the argument. And I, I just use this argument, but it, it, the, the concern is, you know, okay, well, right now we just need to spend money and we can get to where we want to get. We have to spend money on pitching. It feels like there should be some no-brainers in here, right? It feels like, you know what, just throw money at the best. Okay. Like, one, you have to convince those players to actually come to Philadelphia. Right. Which, as we saw this past offseason, not particularly easy. <laughs> and, you know, like, the Padres somehow convinced me. Well, whatever happened in that, whether or not we met their valuation, mm-hmm. whatever. My point is, is... It's not easy to just lower free agents, right? Even if you even if you are the highest bidder, that doesn't automatically get you where you want to get. With with most players, it might, but you know they, they may find favorable positions elsewhere. When you have a track record of not drafting particularly well, and maybe it is a little too early to say all that, but so far, you, know, you off the names you read off that list, there's only one that has actually produced anything of a first round pick value, and that's Aaron Nola. Mm-hmm. You know the the jury is still out. The jury's still even out on a guy like Kingery. Like yeah. frankly, like I know we love him. I know he's been he's, he's been had really one good bad this season and one good season. He's been good this year, but I mean, like, what, he like still doesn't have a set position either. It, what do you say about that? And like, I don't think the best thing for his future either is being just a super utility mm-hmm. guy. Like, I just don't. I don't think that works. So there's four hundred question marks <laughs> about this team and, and the its direction. have blown up their scouting department now, too, due to guys stepping down and leaving to go to other situations. So Which I think isn't is a, a positive sign of a healthy front office in that regard, is that you had this window of opportunity to draft you know, top prospects. Mm-hmm. Frankly, at this point, I, I think you consider it a failure until we're proven wrong. I, like, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't see anyone on that list really coming out and making... A big statement. I'm, I'm talking like top level guys. Like yeah. if we had found some gems later in the draft, cool guys that develop, that's great. But you know, again, when you're picking in the top ten for for multiple years and you're not you're not getting value out of that, then that's a failure. That just frankly is. Um, you know, when you, I I have to imagine that within the organization there were talks about like why are we getting these things wrong? <laughs> why is everyone else getting these, these things right? <laughs> And I, I've complained about this before too, about how we don't call guys up till they're like twenty eight. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm sick of it. I'm sick of seeing Ronald Cunha Jr. only because he's stupid young and it's like Juan Soto, why, Victor Robles. Why don't we call dudes up? <laughs> Pete Alonso, like, like across the board. We were okay, so we didn't think we'd see Bohm this season, right? right. Like we, we talked about it and we we're like, you know, as much as we'd like to, as much as it, it would probably make sense as well in terms of a spark for the team and like you could use someone like him contractually, financially. I get it. You know, you kind of have to schmooze the guy around to, to pay him less money in the future. Whatever. You know, you, to not see someone like Howard this year. Who barely pitched. He what's, only threw. What's the point? 
Like, why? What's the what's the point of drafting the top ten for almost half a decade if you're not even going to call the guys up? And I get that maybe they don't develop properly, they have injuries, so you, you know they're not at that level yet. But it it feels like something like there's a piece of the puzzle missing here, and I I don't quite understand it, and I I don't quite understand why we have these frankly what should be top tier prospects and just never never calling them up. You know, like we'd rather and I love Phil Goslin. Mm-hmm. Rather call it Phil Goslin. <laughs> Would I have Sean Rodriguez? Like, what? Why? Just why? <laughs> Literally, Spencer Howard this year, uh, you know, went through Gulf Coast League, uh, East and West for the Phillies, went to Clearwater, had a 1.29 ERA in Clearwater. No, he's not good enough, Kyle. He's not good enough. Gets promoted to Double A Reading, a 2.35 ERA not in a enough. ballpark that is a hitter's park and only pitched, you know, 65 and two-thirds innings this year. It's not good enough, Kyle. How is... How is He's not good enough. Gabe Kapler plugged it into his iPad, and the iPad said, not good enough. Alec Boehm, 23. Spencer Howard, 23. We won't see... We, we, went, we might see him next year. It's absurd. It's stupid. <laughs> it's absolutely stupid. Alec Boehm in double-A this year, Matt. Don't 14 home this. runs. <laughs> Don't do this to me. 42 <laughs> RBIs. 28 walks. Only struck out thirty eight times in sixty three games. Yeah, he's gonna make it like a great like Astro in five years. Sixty four hits. We do absolutely nothing with him and trade him in some filler for like forty nine year old Justin Verlander. I can't wait. Batting average of two sixty nine, OBP of three forty four, slugged five hundred, OPS of eight forty four. <laughs> it's just, I, it's just, I don't understand. And you know those two names that you just read off as well. I I think they could have success at the major league level right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm also a firm believer in, especially with youth talent in general, throw them in. I know that like there's this whole argument about like confidence and all that. I wanted Carter Hart starting last year immediately, because like what's the what's what's, the, gonna... what's the point of having great prospects if you shove them down for a mm-hmm. year? Like I get there's there okay, so there's something to be said for developing them, and. You know, with someone like Carter Hart, okay, I could buy into, you want to get him, like, reps, you want to see him get, like, shots faced, and he frankly wasn't having a very good time, and when we got called up, we were worried about what that could do, mm-hmm. what that but he answered asterisk the call. could do, what that could do to his confidence. These young guys, you know what gives them confidence? Starting for <laughs> the, the major league team, starting for the first team. There's nothing that gives a young player in any sport more confidence than being called up from either the practice squad, the reserve team, the youth levels, and playing with the senior team. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The only thing that gives them more confidence is being called up and playing well or just having a decent game. Just playing average at a major league level at 22-23 will do the world of good for that person and just, frankly, just their mental state going into the next year. If we called Alec Bohm up this season, let him get some, some work in in September, Howard as well, what do you think? How do you think that makes them feel going into this offseason? Recharged? Yes. <laughs> Rejuvenated? Extra motivated to come back stronger and better next year? Yes. Not that they aren't already going to go into the winter doing those things, but like, damn. Like, every, like, just think of you as a human at your job. Would you like, do you want to do the same thing every day? And when you feel you're ready to like make a step up, you know, be like a, a manager or head of your department, whatever, like, 
No, like you want to be given that shot. So do they, and mm-hmm. they're way more competitive than we are. And that's the entire like focus of their careers being super competitive and beating everyone else. Like what the hell? <laughs> why? Like why are we settling? I I don't understand it. It's, yep. That is the most frustrating part of all of this, especially when you consider that like again like there's other teams that re tanked and rebuilt in the same time period and have had way more success. Look at the Astros. The Astros literally were the joke of Openly the entire tanked. league for this entire century. Openly tanked. I I think they started their tank right around when we did. I yeah. I, I don't think it, we our timeline even really, earlier. Our timeline really was not that different. They were tanking when we were still winning division titles. They, so they tanked. You would say they tanked and sort of readjusted their idea of mm-hmm. like the type of prospect they wanted. And they they're actually pretty. I guess you could say pioneers in statistical analysis of prospects and sort of creating a new line of like understanding about that. So they, they've pioneered something in, in their way, which isn't easy to do, but they've gotten the success for it. Turns out they're really good. Yep. And you know why? Because they gave guys shots. <laughs> like Just listen to the guys that are on their roster that they drafted or signed internationally. Jose Altuve, superstar. Carlos Correa, superstar. Alex Bregman, superstar and one of the, you know, rejuvenating kind of just personalities in the game. George Springer, superstar. They they don't have a spot for Kyle Tucker, who is a top prospect in all of baseball, because they have all these guys. And then they and then they go and And then they just get Justin Verlander and like give Verlander, him a magic potion. Garrett Cole, Verlander, Zach by the way. There's having just like a stupid season. Unbelievable. Dude, I'm just it's it's upsetting because I really want the Phillies to be good, mm-hmm. and like some like truly like some of my favorite sports memories are Phillies related. Yeah, and like the pat like really like half this decade has just sucked for baseball. Like it just hasn't been fun because the team hasn't been good. Just frankly, and I'm not like a big MLB fan, but I love mm-hmm. the Phillies. So just seeing them like I you know I embrace the tank because at the same time the Sixers were tanking too. I'm like hell yeah like. We, there's a world where in 2019, 2020, we're like, and we thought it even as short as May that we thought we could be, and the Eagles started too, <laughs> we could be, you know, jumping from the Eagles on Sunday at, you know, going on at night watching the Phillies in, a, in you know, the, the NLCS, and then like, you know, turning into the Sixers starting off the season like 12 and 3. You know, and then like maybe the Flyers are good this year. Mm-hmm. And you know what would only make the most sense is that the Flyers somehow win a Stanley Cup this year. Yep. Because, it, because hockey is stupid and makes no <laughs> sense and follows no actual rules. But yeah. I think heads will roll for the Phillies. This, I I think I've said that a while ago that I think people will lose their job um, or won't get renewed this this off season. And you know, if it's fair, whatever. Like that's you could debate that, of course, but. You're at a point now where you've not only invested the money in the actual team now, but you've invested years mm-hmm. into this rebuild, and you know there's there's no more opportunity to go back and change anything that's happened, and yeah. any injuries and development issues, whatever. Like what's done is and done. And you're not going to be drafting in the top ten, hopefully anytime <laughs> soon. Yeah, hopefully, unless we like someone is really dumb and like just sends us like <laughs> sends us something. Bryce really will nice. start a purge. Yeah, but I just think. Um, I, I, I think you have to pivot now. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the ways, I think that just frankly, the easiest way to fix this is with money yep. and is just spending. It's honestly, the only boatload. way. Yeah. But like, I think you could still, I still think that there's talent in, in the farm level that you could, that you could genuinely yeah. use on this roster. 
and I, I think that is one of the like just great mismanagements of this entire Phillies rebuild is, has just been that. And you can say whatever you want about Clintac's plan for the offseason. We all bought into it. Mm-hmm. In May, we were all happy, very happy with what Clintac did. Now we're not. And that's, you know, part of that is because we all kind of knew in the back of our mind the pitching wasn't great and it was risky. But we were all also really happy to strap in for the ride. And now, now we're a little less happy. Even We gave it our stamp, you know, six months ago. I don't know that I trust Clintac to fix it. Nope. <laughs> you know, it's like if you have work done on your car and the mechanic messes up. It's like, all right, well, you know, like you're a human, make mistakes, but I paid you a lot of money for this and you mess it up. Would you go back to that same mechanic? No, you'd probably find a new mechanic. They'd go to Main Auto LLC and finally. Boom. Um, that's called brand integration. Absolutely. And that's what you get if you're a sponsor of Underground Sports. Bingo. <laughs> but but that's the point. Like, do you... like? I can't say that I trust Matt Klintak to no. even, even again, just hand out big contracts. Like, I don't know. And even this offseason, yeah, we bid a lot for Bryce, but you look at our other, and again, these are all leaks. There's nothing, no real confirmation mm-hmm. on anything, but we lowballed, lowballed. We were behind the valuation of other teams, of guys like Machado. Patrick Corbin. Of Corbin. Like, Charlie Morton. And we, we weren't even willing to give Keuchel a sh- a, just a, a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really damning to me as well. That that to me is, you know, I'm willing to say like, okay, you know what? If you want to place organizational faith in young guys like Eflin, Pavetta, cool. You know what? And I was willing to give them a shot this year too. Mm-hmm. But we know now that experiment has failed. And it, frankly, we, we all need to move on. But, you know, to, to not even give a... a, a a courtesy call to not even do like basic not even what, show up what i would consider just part of your job just yep. due diligence to one of two at the time biggest free agents in baseball that literally every single contending team should have had in in like the on speed dial for what was it june 6th when they like mm-hmm. the compensatory picks went away like what like knowing now that we we didn't even like Give and it, give it minimum effort is that's really frustrating. And Keuchel's representation is the same as Bryce Harper, same as Reese Hoskins, same as a lot of guys in your organization. You are now puppets essentially of Scott Boris because you have these guys in your organization, and that's totally fine by me. But to not even show up, yeah, that's is malpractice it's it's it it's just that that part to me is very frustrating you know and again i'm i'm willing to like look past a lot of things with this phillies team this season because you know i think injuries are really unlucky and you know we clown clentech for the robertson tommy hunter thing like we get like but he can't account for that he just he really Mm can't you know like and i i think robertson was a was a great yeah uh, it was sorry norwich city is beating manchester city two nothing (laughs) right now and i'm really trying to control myself um, but you know, like he he can't account for injuries like no. that, and I you know like that's just tough luck. You know, like David Robertson had never been on the the injured list in his career until this year. Nothing nothing you can do about that, but you can do something about calling Dallas Keuchel instead of you can do something at the trade deadline to and you, even the trade deadline. You know, like I had and I don't know if it was just Stockholm syndrome at that point, but I had made my peace with in the sense that you know like for this season these moves made sense. Because frankly, no one we were gonna get was move the needle. You know, we like we don't really have the assets to be trading right now. And again, like if you are trading for a guy like 
are they expiring? Are like how old are they? Like do they fit with the timeline? But that if we're you go on? and get Keiko, you have a better sense. And Keiko, of you what just this, have to pay. Yeah, you don't, you don't even have to give anyone up. You you just have to pay. Which and then is you what have a we did sense. essentially at the trade deadline. You know, we just took waivers on guys. Yeah, and it's like, well, okay. And if you have Keiko, you have a better sense of what this team is going to be able to do pushing towards the playoffs because you have a legitimate one-two punch and then you can go and see okay who can we get as a number three type guy sure you know we we found out what the cincinnati reds were asking for tanner roark and they wanted mickey moniak you're obviously not going to do that but that also kind of hey man you have dream big if you're in cincinnati (laughs) you know that showed you somewhat of what the market was for starting pitching at the deadline and i think the one trade deadline thing messed a lot of you know teams valuations of their teams up um but if you go and get keichel at least you know you have a top part of the rotation that's going to be good and then you just have to fill it out with these three four five guys because what you have in house right now is not good it's <laughs> just yeah philly's hurt my brain we'll see what happens this offseason can they you know? sweep boston yeah but they, they did already so sure Sure, but and we also said that they're probably going to play the Braves and Red Sox really well. It's the Marlins I'm worried about at yep. the end of the month because you know what? We're we're still two games back somehow. Unbelievable. How how I don't know, but we are <laughs> like that's it's um it's just it's tough. Very. It's, tough. it's a tough scene right now. And look, if if we're without Gabe, if we're at, without Clentac, both of them going into next year. I, I can't say that I'll be like upset about mm-hmm. it because I, I don't know that I would be. Um, I don't know that it's 100% the right decision, but I can also say I have my doubts about both of them. Yep. And, you know, John Middleton will have more information on them and their Philly's actual path and what's gone wrong this year than, than we do. So Get McPhail out is my big <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, but on a, on a happier note, Matt, Charles Barkley got his legend statue at the Sixers' uh, training facility and his reaction was i don't think i was ever that skinny yeah i don't think so either um so congrats to to charles barkley it was funny seeing him uh like there's a picture of him shaking hands with ben simmons and it's just like it's just funny because like charles like has definitely railed against ben Uh before it's just like it's just it's just like a weird like i don't know it's it's a weird thing but yeah i mean charles barkley i think one of the forgotten like sixers great just because Mm -hmm. like of you know if you're not like dr j if you're not moses malone it's hard to be like on that same pedestal and you know talent wise he was he's up there with the absolute best but he's sort of part of sixers team that where there were some not so great times and you know the way he left philly as well maybe not the best but happy for him ultimately Uh, we actually have Flyers news to talk about, surprisingly. Speaking of disappointment and <laughs> things not ending so well. Uh, they finally get a contract done with Ivan Provorov, a six-year, $40.5 million contract. Uh, so it's an average annual value of $6.75 million. He's 22 years old. He's going to be here for what we hope is his prime. You know, and maybe the Phillies should take a note from the Flyers about just let, let the kids play. There, there's an old saying: if uh, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And I, you, one thing you can commend the Flyers for, we've is, started to see that is that we have, you know, not always. And there's been some guys that maybe shouldn't have been called up, mm-hmm. but we have been willing to let guys like Ghost, 
Provorov last Nolan year with Patrick. Carter Hart, Nolan and Nolan Patrick. You know, he hasn't adjusted the best, right? We but the, they've at least given him. But you know what? That opportunity. Game of shots. <laughs> Game of shots, and it's, it's paid off. Who we'll get we've, into we've, in a second. We found some. Uh, we've found, found some good players that way, and yeah, I think um, if there's one thing you commend the Flyers for, it is that that you know what they have taken some risks on some some young players. And it's worked out well. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Who knew when you draft, when you draft a bunch of top prospects, if you let them play, they might actually be good. Who knew? Weird. Exactly. Um, but I mean, at, at least they got this deal done because it does not look like a Travis Konechny contract is coming anytime soon. He wants a big money, long term deal. Flyers are willing to give him a long term deal for less money than he's asking for. Um, we heard from Chuck Fletcher about it. They're not close, so who knows when TK is going to get on the ice. Uh, they're disappointed that uh, he's not at training camp and hasn't been around the team. Um, I don't know how this is going to end, but right now it does not look good. No, well, what's interesting, I, I was actually talking to my brother a little bit about this, and uh, you know, my brother, very big Flyers guy, um, he was saying that he thinks one of the reasons the deal isn't getting done is because you know, with the potential uh, cap raising, you know, there are going to be some guys that are looking towards that future, thinking I could make an extra, you know, twenty million on the life of my contract, if if I'm willing to wait for it, and you know, where it might be more advantageous for the Flyers to get him to maybe some longer longer terms here mm-hmm. and keep him under lock. So yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting situation, and you know, man, I know we've all given the Flyers their stick. I'm willing to believe. You know, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm opening my heart to the Flyers this year. I'm I'm gonna give them a shot. I'm gonna give them a very honest shot because you know what? Like Sixers, I think are gonna be cruising, rolling. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. You know what? I, I I'm gonna make an earnest effort to really give the Flyers, at least for the month of October, <laughs> <laughs> when they may or may not have disappointed me already. I'm gonna give them my best shot, and I I hope the Flyers are great because when the Flyers are awesome, like. I think, we all, I think we all forget like the early like tens when the Flyers yeah. were a really good team. It was so much fun. Damn. Had a Stanley Cup game while Roy Halladay was throwing a, a perfect game. We want that. Give me give me back some of that action in my life. You know, it can't it can't just be the Sixers carrying the torch, you know, through the dead winter months. It just can't. You know? Yeah. And and we pray for like an Eagles long playoff run in yeah. a Super Bowl. You know, like if if I'm stuck in February only watching the Sixers, I'm gonna be a little bummed out. I'm sad. Um but I did hear, you know, through the grapevine that <coughs> the reason the TK contract hasn't come to, you know, fruition yet is because the team doesn't want to pay him more money than they're paying Sean Couturier, um, which I mean... Couturier, one of the best two-way players in the NHL, so... Yes, it makes sense, and, uh, you know, Chuck Fletcher also, you know, said that they were surprised that they got the Provorov contract done before the Konechny contract, um, so that goes to show you how far along they came to get this deal done with Provorov, but glad he's in the fold, glad he's going to be on the ice for training camp. Um, Flyer season's right around the corner. Sixers mm-hmm. training camp right around the corner. And, Very exciting. Uh, you know, those are going to be kicking off. The Wings schedule just got released, so that season also right around the corner. We'll be at the NLL draft on Tuesday. Uh, Union, baby, by the way. Union, big Our game. Union, hashtag. Uh, playoff bound, pretty much. My, my luck off that top top spot in the Clinch East. Clinch the playoff spot. There we go, game, baby. Big game tonight yeah. against uh, L.A., so big litmus test for them. LAFC is like, 
one of the best MLS teams that we've ever seen. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we'll see. I Union man, I've really turned it around. They, they turned the corner. You know, people won't admit this now, but people really wanted Jim Curtin gone in the off season, and <laughs> he is. And what is not a particularly talented roster? I know that seems dumb to say, considering their position mm-hmm. at the table right now. But there's no one in there that's like really mind blowing. You know, we don't have a Carlos Vela on the team right now. We don't. We don't have an Ebra on the team. Like, really impressive what's going on with the Union. So very, very excited to see like some playoff soccer. Yes. Yes, we haven't had like. I remember the Union their second year uh, went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and that was like. Super exciting. So very, very pumped to have that back. That's going to be a blast. Mm-hmm. So uh, all your Philly sports news, you can get it from us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI. And uh, we'll be up in New York later today covering the PLL. So make sure you follow our lacrosse Twitter handle at OTB Pod, And uh, make sure you're subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. And you can follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, quick shout-out to the boys from Judah and the Lion. Uh, one, they have a FIFA Ultimate Team kit. Yeah, because they're on the soundtrack. And what's really cool that FIFA does is they take like kind of like the biggest artists and bands and they let them design uh, jerseys. They are always, big soccer guys. And yeah. I got to go watch them last night. Absolutely shred at the Met. Awesome venue, by the way. The the renovations there are top-notch. Really nice. Um, and they absolutely crushed the show. And for their encore, um, you know, the guys came, Judah came out with a Sean Couturier Flyers jersey on. Um, I was I was talking to a friend about how Judah and the Lion always seems to put on, like, a, a good, like, performance for whatever city they're in. Like, they're very aware of, like, what to wear. And I was telling them about, we had gone to see them, and mm-hmm. they came out, I think it was, like, kind of still post-Super Bowl, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, it was, right. Um, it was like that spring, wasn't after it? the Super Bowl, yeah, I want to say. He, and uh, had the Wentz yeah. jersey. And I remember I saw a picture of them when they were in Tennessee, and he had like a he had like overalls with like the the University of Tennessee like yeah. colors, like uh, like it was either like polka dotted or like blocked on. It was like very cool. So they have a very very nice style. Good for them. Yeah, Brian McDonald, their mandolin player, had a Bryce Harper jersey. So very cool to see that. And obviously, Nate, big supporter of the show, listens to the show. Um, we love some good pandering in so, Philly. <laughs> shout out to Jude. They, they also said Philly is the number one city that they've played over the last uh, two or three years. That is the number been one. Been back a few times. Yeah. So they have been in Philly the most out of any city in the in the world. So uh, they love it here. They kind of consider this their home away from home. And uh, they put on an absolute awesome show. I mean, Philly is great music. A lot of really yeah. awesome venues. Um, I'm always bummed when I see like big tours and they don't come to Philly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's always weird when it, like someone like Post Malone isn't going to be in Philly for his like whatever tour yeah. it's called the Hollywood's Bleeding Tour, I guess. Um, he's going to be in AC instead, which is like kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I don't like. It's always weird when they do like the New York stop, of course, but then like no Philly. Yeah. I don't know. It like always kind of strange to me because there's a venue for everything, right? Mm-hmm. So you have like the Met, which is not small, but like it's kind of a a new age yeah. tower theater. Yeah, and you have, like, rest in peace, the the name at least, but you have the Electric Factory, mm-hmm. which is, like, an awesome location. The TLA. The TLA, and then you have, like, the Wells Fargo Center, which, and if you're, like, really, you know, world class, you can get, like, Citizens Bank, or, like, mm-hmm. I, has the Link ever done? The Link has had a few, like, big... big yeah, like the Rolling Stones Beyonce or something. Yeah, 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 I remember um, that. And, you know... And but you have, like, a scale for everything. And you have like, BB&T, you can, which is essentially... BB&T, like, an awesome, like, especially summer Riverfront. concert, like... 
yeah, it's it's weird. Like when people don't stop through here, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's something to do with like the market share or whatever. But like I said, there's a, there's a venue for like literally arts. Li- literally any artist, like whatever, like their popularity, there is a venue to support it. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Um, so shout out to the boys from Judah and the Lion. We are working on some stuff with them. So stay tuned with that. Um, but this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 167, presented by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Catch you guys on Wednesday live again. Go Birds, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. So for Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.